On this episode of Founder Journey, we've got Boris Lau. From cutting his teeth as an engineer in the cybersecurity industry to building his own data and analytics company that went through Techstars, Boris shares with us this journey and the experience of going through a top-tier accelerator like Techstars, but also the back-and-forth decisions that you make as you shift from focusing on small to medium-sized businesses to enterprises and then going back to small and medium businesses and ultimately making decisions of how to fire customers and how to say no to customers that just aren't right for your business. Three, two, one. Hey, what's up, everyone? We're back at it again. Another week of Founder Journey Stories. Today, we've got uh, Boris Lau. Boris is a... Um, Long-time LaunchCutty member, and, and he is actually one of the OGs, of, first in uh, 2012 with a company called Pathful. Pathful uh, ultimately joined Techstars in Chicago in 2013, and in 2015, it got acquired. So within a three-year period from founding the idea to bringing on a co-founder and getting into a top-tier accelerator uh, to getting acquired, it's quite the journey. Uh, pa- Boris, awesome to have you on. Yeah, um, thank why you, why don't you give us a quick little background about you, background about Pathful, the industry that you're in. You're obviously not with Pathful anymore because you've been acquired. Uh, you're in with Khan Academy, another amazing, amazing company. So maybe we can talk about a little bit of that journey going from a startup to a, a huge company like Khan Academy. But uh, kick it off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you. Um, first of all, I just want to say that without Launch Academy, Pathful wouldn't be like right, on the journey Oh, that going on now. So thank you for that. But yeah, yeah always um, love the uh, launch shoutouts there. But uh, <laughs> it's it's launch is, is one entity, but it's the people in launch that made it what it is. And you were a key part of that in the early days, uh, especially with your engineering background and uh, that whole element that you brought to um, the ecosystem. Definitely, it's about a whole community that we are all within that. I'm privileged to be in there. And yeah, so for me, um, initially, um, when I start, first started with Pathful, I before that, I was actually um, really from coming deep in from the technical side. So I used to be in the computing security background and work with um, reverse engineering of malware. So I totally don't the business side will literally like be locked in the room and spend weeks working on a piece of software, reverse engineering, understand what the code is about. Um, so how it got started is actually um, with the idea of Pathful is from a bike trip or failed bike trip that um, one during one summer um, I was working a lot with like browser like um, web browsers. And within web browsers I kind of like understand the events that's happening and there's so much data within that that um, people that built the website didn't know about that exist. And if we can, we, I was just playing around the idea that if we can visualize and provide those ideas to people that own the website, not talking about like third party marketers nowadays, like Facebook or anything, but if you have your website, let's say if someone coming to the house, what would it be like to seeing all these visitors and understand what piece of text they're looking at, what images they're looking at. So literally that's, that excitement of playing around that idea and building something around that is the first so, so, iteration of Pathful. So to so break that down, so Pathful really was a analytics tool for your own website to see what images people are clicking on, where they're uh, spending more time, what pages are spending more time on, what uh, content was resonating with them. So it's really a, a breakdown of your website for you to really understand where are people spending their time? So if you want to equate it to a brick and mortar, which aisle are they in? 
which uh, products are they looking at? How much time are they spending in my store? Um, but in a digital context with your website. Yeah, that's a great analogy of that. And in fact, that's how we started. Ultimately, we come down to a tool that not only gives you the visibility into how people walk around your store, but actually provide you with ideas on how you can improve your store. So ultimately, we kind of like come to this realization during this founder's journey that uh, from learning from our customers that we realize that actually customers don't need more data. They need more advice on how to improve their website. So we actually become a tool that um, support marketers to give them ideas and data-driven clues on how to come up with A-B testing ideas. So the journey between what, how Powerful is acquired was where it started. Although it's like using the same technology, similar technology, it's very a much more focused and honed in customer um, value proposition and target, target segment that we're facing. And so who ultimately acquired Pathful? Yeah, so um, Pathful actually was acquired by um, Mobify, which is uh, also an amazing local Vancouver company, which has recently since been acquired by Salesforce. So, yeah, yeah, so there's a lot of, lot of uh, press and media around that. Uh, Salesforce coming in and acquiring Mobify and uh, reinforcing their corporate presence here in Vancouver. But uh, Mobify itself was an international company with co- clients all over the world. Uh, mainly, I think it was retail clients that uh, wanted a web and mobile presence and really um, increasing their e-commerce platform. And Pathful seems like a very logical acquisition target for them to bring in that type of technology into their uh, suite of software. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that's an um, alignment of technology there. And ultimately, we end up like not completely reusing all the code, um, but also like building something really similar within the data pipeline on what's happening with Powerful versus what's happening with Mobile. Yeah. And so that, that's, that's quite the journey. So you as a solo founder, as I know, came into Launch Academy with this idea. Uh, you ultimately found a co-founder and... Um, uh, you guys went to Techstars, then you got acquired. Talk talk us through that journey for yourself. Like, what are some of the obstacles and challenges that you had to overcome? I, again, not having the business acumen and, and the business side of the real interest in the business side. You're more on the technical side, but you had to do some of that work to get your company off the ground. So, so walk us through maybe some of that uh, mindset that you had to get yourself into to to break away from the tech side. Just say, okay, I have to actually build a business out of this? Yeah. Or did you just rely on your co-founder? Yeah, definitely. I think that's certainly a few turning points around this journey that I was looking at. And um, it all started in 2011 when I first was going to a bike trip, took a, took a month off my holiday for, at work for my holiday, but I ended up injuring myself. So I ended, ended so, up actually so spending just a month. T- Take a step, step back. So when you talk about bike trip, you're talking about mountain biking, uh, motorcycle trip around America. Like what, what type of bike? Yeah, we were hoping to do a bike touring trip that was um, going along the Pacific West Coast that goes in going, uh, going from Vancouver down to Mexico. So that was the plan. And that On was a motorcycle? On a or bicycle. Road bike? Road bike, yeah. Bicycle, wow. So it's on a touring bike. So it was a trip that going to take around 40 days. Um, and at that time, I have a stable employment, and but unfortunately, I got injured and I couldn't go on that trip. So I actually decided at that time to experiment with the ideas of building something that is actually a prototype. Um, at that point, I didn't even know, understand the concept of um, lean startup and being a great 
building a prototype. So let's say actually at that time, I was hoping to build a full-blown product within 40 days, and literally that's <laughs> it. And certainly I had no idea what I'm doing. At that time, I came up with something and then went and kind of like lucky enough, I feel in Vancouver, that was certainly a great community there to support. And I was like talking to different people. I ended up going to um, the Startup Weekend. At that point, I kind of learned a lot of learn a lot about the Lean Startup methodology on how you can build an MVP and go and test out with potential customers and how you gather data from them. And that's certainly a big turning point. It's mostly about the community. And that's also where the community connect me with my venture founder, who is Campbell, that actually when we first met, we end up in a startup event and we were talking we didn't re- end up reconnecting until six months later. So it's um, really appreciate the community that kind of set us on that first date at first, literally to say. Yeah, so Cam McDonald was, is, is still a, a prominent person in the tech community in Vancouver. Um, and so he wasn't a, a brand new entrepreneur. He was a seasoned entrepreneur. He was actually a mentor at Launch Academy. I worked with a lot of companies, uh, but you guys connected and ultimately join forces and, and start building Pathful together. Um, where does that kind of lead you in the, the context of, yeah, you didn't understand the business side or you weren't really as, as interested in the business side, you wanted to bring in a co-founder, but the journey of building a startup is very difficult. Um, how were you able to leverage each other or rely on each other to build something so successful? Yeah, I think um, ultimately, I think that comes to a lot of um, conversation understanding what myself is lacking in that sense it took me a lot of trial and error even before like going to talking to customers and trying to come up with some resemblance form of business plan to understand what skills I need um, and also one um, one of the things that I really appreciate um, from a tech as a tech co-founder also appreciate from Campbell um, from the, as a business co-founder is his ability and willingness to understand the technical concept. And I'm able to really easily uh, explain a lot of um, the technical concept of what this technology does to him, as well as that we've got a really similar mindset about how we get stuff done. And I think that's something that we really appreciate that almost that project management product, how we come into product is something that we've got similar mindset about that we do much rather do like kind of like really quick sprint and kind of like validate with customers, which I'm sure that a lot of um, founders do also. Uh, it's also from the technical side, we do tend to fail into that gap that we want to spend a month building, so. Yeah. So it sounds and, like it's a great compliment to each other, but how did you know that uh, he was a good fit? Like what was that ding, ding, ding moment where you knew, okay, this is somebody that I can definitely build a company with? Yeah. I think that's certainly something that we, um, it kind of like takes a lot of time to find out also. It's like during, I didn't know Campbell well before, there are certainly founders that have been friends, lifelong friends, and they know each other. They've been through high and low. And I think through interviews, as with any companies, that you understand certain aspects of people, but only when you go through certain scenarios that you be able to really appreciate someone being there. And I think with Campbell, how we, what we did is that we actually end up just saying, hey, this is, um, let's just work together with each other for a while and like, let's work together for a month and let's go and talk to some customers and let's kind of like iterate a bit on our product. 
and see how we feel. And that's certainly a very time invested process. But at that time, we didn't really kind of like really feel like ownership of that. Oh, you must do this. Or, oh, um, I must provide this to you and I must take this from you kind of respect. And it's like more a journey of about like, like you said, learning, getting together and just doing, doing things together with Pathful and see how it feels. And then when you guys joined Techstars, going through an accelerator, did that help um, strengthen that relationship? Did it test the relationship? What was that experience like? Um, because you guys were relatively new working together. You guys didn't know each other that well. And then you guys got into Techstars. And Techstars is not a simple thing to get into, let alone complete, because it's, it's very onerous. And, and uh, there's a lot of smart people that are coming in and giving you advice and feedback and ripping your company apart and um, pulling you in different directions. And so it can be very trying and testing for um, co-founders to go through. So, so how did that work yeah. out? Yeah, definitely. I think um, both going into the textile process because, um, I mean, textile is such an amazing place. We learn so much from it. But also going into that, we do realize that there is certain expectation. What is our trade-off going to Techstar versus what we are going to do, continue building what we have and learning, like maturing a bit at, at, um, with our pathway before going forward to the next step towards Accelerator. And at that time, I think one of the key metrics that we were using kind of like within our pitch to Techstar is the amount of data that we get. Because so it's basically what Pathful does is that it collects data about our customer's website and from there on, we're able to demo that how much information and data that we have. But ultimately, at that point, we're at an early stage that we didn't really have any paying customers yet. So I think that is one kind of like challenging aspect that we were discussing where to go in and And certainly, that was a discussion that we had a lot and trying to understand what do we want? What do we want? Do we actually want to have a more self-sustained um, kind of um, business model where we can actually get some paying customer before taking on, for example, taking conversion books from Techstar and kind of use that to like go into pitch night and from there on get some seed funding. So that's something that we actually have a lot of conversation about and that's certainly helped us to align about what, how do we see the growth trajectory of our company is. And certainly within Techstar itself, we come to, we obviously have a lot of sequence line that kind of both kind of exaggerate the, like, both, I guess, the euphoria and depression, as we say, in the, in the startup world. And that's something that we really felt, yeah, we definitely have a lot of conversation, especially um, there's a lot of um, revision on directions on which customer we talk to. I think particularly being, um, being in Techstars, is that you get a connection to, like, a lot of potential customers that, and a lot of those customers have different needs and it's really, really important to go through a process to understand and triage where you want to be at and which customer you want to serve and which customer that you actually, unfortunately, have to not be able to focus on because you only got three months to do that. And that's yeah, something that's actually, that... Sorry, I was say, that's like a big problem that a lot of entrepreneurs have. It, it's hard to say no to a customer, especially a paying customer, but um, at a certain point in time, you got to realize who are your... Um, true target markets and, and who are just a time suck because um, uh, that customer might be pay, willing to pay you but they're actually consuming 80% of your time servicing them whereas the other 
uh, 20% is spent on clients that are paying you as well, but you are better off finding more clients like that than servicing um, this one. And so that, that, that is a challenge. And so how did you guys digest that? That 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 that's a hurdle. That's a, that's a very difficult thing to do. Say, no, we got to cut this customer off. How did you guys make those decisions? Yeah, that's actually one of the decisions. That I think we actually, with hindsight, is a learning that we had. Um, but that hindsight only happened after we come off Techstar. I mean, to be frank, I think in Techstar, one of the big mistakes that we have is going for enterprise customers. So at that time, one of the value of Powerful is um, our unique value prop is to increase your conversion rate. We've got some case studies already with some of the smaller companies that are saying that, hey, we can increase your conversion rate by 7% and out of like that 2%, like even it's like our normal rate of 2% conversion rate, that 0.1% conversion rate increase is huge. And that's something that we've got some successful case study on and we try to leverage that under talk to um, enterprise customers and try to extract that value that they have. Like, just the pure like leverage that they have can have on this seven percent increase in the conversion rate. Um, ultimately, it, I think at that time we were let's trying to like spend our time doing a lot of work for enterprise customers. For example, we actually come up with this really cool pitch of being able to compare that using data. We basically like build up a beacon that allow, build up a web plugin that allow user testers to go into different customers' web different their website and their competitor's website and gather data as if Powerful was already installed on their website and kind of show them the report on what your, if you install Powerful, what your enterprise report would have looked like and compared to your competitors. So at that point, we kind of like was really excited about um, this pitch to these enterprise customers. And I think that carried us away because we ultimately, I think it hired the fact that we knew that it would be a multi-quarter deal multi-quarter engagement with an enterprise yeah. customers and sales cycles for enterprise customers are are notoriously long because there's a lot of decision makers there's a lot of um hurdles that you have to go through to win that contract so you were actually successful with small medium enterprise clients or small medium businesses smes but you then took that that success metrics and tried to apply to enterprise clients and make that shift from small companies to enterprise clients was that uh, a decision yeah. made prior to Techstars or was that a decision made going through the Techstars experience? That was a decision that based on, literally it's based on the pipeline of customers that we have access to from Techstars. So it was okay, something so, that would So you, you go through the experience and you see, okay, we've got all these new contacts and these networks. It's amazing. It's like a kid in a candy store being uh, able to access exactly. all these major companies. But they weren't the, the 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 core target market for you based off of the previous success that you've identified. Uh, and so you veered away from the small companies, from the medium companies, but ultimately made the realization that, no, you need to go back to those. And, and that's where you're going to make uh, Pathful really successful is, is to continue to work off of those success metrics that you identified prior to. Um, and so what was that journey like, making that decision to say, okay, let's cut these people and, and how do we find these smaller companies? Yeah, so we end up actually having quite, um, it was after Techstar that we end up like still engaging with these in this enterprise conversation for a while, as you say, it's about a quarter. So the Techstar experience was um, three months and then we end up um, being 
in Chicago for about half a year, and ultimately we decided that we were going to come back to Vancouver. And I think at that time we did have a lot of conversation about which direction we should go, and that certainly was something that we, based on that, we find that we can have existing distribution around small medium enterprise through, for example, like we've got a lot of inbound campaign that's going on, as well as like being able to actively identify. Um, customers that use certain A/B testing too. One of the value prop that we talked about, we end up with Pathful, is the ability to improve um, your A/B testing uh, experience. And from there on, we, for example, convert Nectar with a lot of um, customers from Optimizely, and ultimately become um, engaged in a conversation with Optimizely that they were actually kind of referring us as like almost like Optimizely consultant that allows us to work with different customers. So we have got some strategy of distribution there that allows us to gain some traction in SME. So now I want to kind of circle back to you and your personal journey here. Now going through Techstars and then focusing, doing that pivot towards enterprise and then realizing that, hey, this is a long sales cycle and there's a lot of challenges here and making that decision to kind of revert back. There's a lot of self-doubt and um, uh, regret or confusion and, and depression and things like that that start to pop up in your head as you're going through that journey. You had a co-founder. Um, a lot of times it's difficult to talk to your co-founders about these things because you don't want to show signs of weakness or you don't want to create friction where it's not needed because there's already uh, stress in there. How, how did the two of you handle this together? Because obviously through Campbell's eyes, he was probably going through doubts and, and challenges and issues on his own end. Um, but you guys came out through it very successful. So how, was there opportunities to collaborate on that and, and help each other out? Or did you guys work in isolation um, on those matters, personal matters? Yeah, that's something that we certainly have a lot of, um, a lot of conversation around that, both. So you guys are very open with each other? Yes, we definitely try to be open with each other. And I mean, ultimately, we work really separately. We, in the textile environment, we keep go into a lot of interviews while I'll take the feedback and go on, go on to trying to iterate on our products to um, show customers. And ultimately, it was a very, we work in a very different cadence, but also we try to keep conversation about what's happening and how is he doing, how, trying to really not hide any, any doubt that we have. And I think they really appreciate that, having a co-founder. I think having, being able to have these conversations is definitely something that's really important as a co-founder. And I think especially um, being able to like understand, talk, have almost one of the rituals that we have is that we try to do a retro every sprint. And I think that's a two that is a lot of teams are doing. Um, also a lot of teams are not doing it. That's something that I think is a great tool to express like Teams level, kind of like someone might go, oh, that's a, actually that's an elephant in the room that the team are not talking about together and really trying to encourage it, it um, explore these. But ultimately, personally, I think there is have to be a like safe space for founders to talk to each other. And I think that's a space that really, really need to be honest with your co-founder. And were there other things that you guys did internally to, to create that safe space? It's not an easy thing to do because, um, again, it's a lot of self-doubt, self-reflection. Um, but both of you or, or your senior team all needs to be on the same page to do that or not. Like, what, what's your, like, what did you guys do? How did you make that happen? 
Yeah, I think that's also part of it is also, I think we both have a lot of disagreement on um, potential things that we should do. And I think it also that, I think one thing it helps is that we, the decision, we have pretty clear definition of ownership on different parts of how powerful operates. So in that sense, I think we ultimately, we, like we have a lot of, um, a lot of conversation around those. I might, for example, I might disagree with certain certain aspects of like the pitch that he might be very interested in, but I really trust Tambo's decision on those. Um, there is one particular um, very, well, it's one particular interesting conversation I did remember during the textile where we were like kind of like discussing, um, discussing some of the branding choices within Prattful for the pitch. And that's something that I think is interesting because it was a discussion that I think I end up making, I end up like expressing some um, conflict of it in not such a, uh, not such a um, great way in hindsight, reflect that, but it's certainly something that- <laughs> So emotions, like. emotions got, in, got in involved. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something that I felt like he's able to understand that and he also expressed that emotion. But ultimately, I think that's something that we have to come back and say, hey, this is what happened and understand each other. And not take that, not take that going forward. I think it's, you have to be able to express that kind of struggle and like with each other and not hide it. I, I've said multiple times here that that Pathhole was a great success, but success is in the eye of the beholder. And you are from a technical background. What did success look for for you? What, what where did you ultimately say yes? I was successful here, or no, I was not successful here, or this was a great outcome, or that wasn't a great outcome for you? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you can also look at it a different way. At least in powerful terms, um, the ultimate acquisition is not a giant acquisition that we have. It's a relatively small position from coming up from textile. So in terms of like startup success, I certainly would not like just being honest that it's not a great success in terms of startup. Yeah, but in also, terms of dollar value, right? In, in terms, terms of, of dollar, dollar value. value, exactly. And that, but that's also something that I feel is also in terms of that is, I think that is not the only motivation on a lot of founders on how they would do a startup and for at least, especially for a tech, from a tech founder perspective or a business founder perspective, it might be very different things that motivate motivate why each of us is driven to do go on a journey of like entrepreneurship. And I think for myself, at least, I for me, it was really about building a product and really getting excited to be able to work with other people and kind of like sharing this building of the product together that got me excited and seeing this product in different people's hands. And I really, really want like more users to be using that as opposed to there's like one potential enterprise that we are like end up doing a consultant service with them. And that's something that I think ultimately, I think that's the thing that I think in a way is a proxy message metric to success. But also I think ultimately I have to ask myself what is driving me, especially what is it different from what is nowadays looking at market, marketing analytics is such a, almost you can use the word kind of like, um, like kind of like dirty space. There is not a lot of privacy concern there. 
And for us, I think for Pathful, ultimately, I think it's something that is very different because it's something that allows allows a, per, a person that owns a website to understand more about their customers as opposed to rely on something that's like kind of like, oh, what else is this customer seeing? What previous, like what third party information that other services are leaking? And that's something that I think is really drive me and motivates me to like kind of like make this path, like analyze the data and analyze user's behavior to understand what it is about. So not so much driven by how much money can I make, but more about how can I get what I built into the hands of more people so it makes a positive impact on their businesses in a clear and um, uh, more transparent way without nefarious activities behind the scenes. Yeah, and really trying to tell tell the story about their users and what they're interested in, what content they're engaging with, what images driving them in, what user interfaces driving them away, and be able to tell that story to the marketer to understand their customers. And I think that's something that ultimately, through both like working together with the team and Campbell, and as well as like talking to different customers, they help us to kind of understand that. I wouldn't have said that at first when I started this journey, but ultimately I think that kind of like, that is almost like kind of a step that at different points of this founder journey, I realized there's different things that's motivate me. And I kind of like really need to be able to like talk to Campbell and kind of understand what is this that kind of like driving us during this journey at different time. So it's a bit of, of self-reflection and realization on, on your end of what really matter to you and um, your social conscience obviously came through and, and you realized what you wanted to build and how you wanted to um, see it used by people uh, and that's a tremendous thing and it's a very admirable thing and that kind of speaks to where you are now you're with Khan Academy Khan Academy is is known around the world as a very social conscious um, entity and, and in proliferating education and making education as accessible as possible uh, to people around the world. Maybe tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Khan Academy and why, why that's important to you. Yeah. Um, so Khan Academy is a nonprofit that's trying to provide um, free digital access education around the world. So one of our promises is that we will never charge learners directly about how they can access our platform. All the learning, you can just go and come to learn Khan Khan Academy and do your learning for free on our platform. And I think that's something that really um, is driving, driving motivates me in terms of the mission. That certainly kind of comes back to the success metrics that we are talking about. And at, currently I'm on the site reliability engineering team at Khan Academy, um, um, especially during the nowadays with the school culture that we've got a huge lift in traffic. So we're trying to we are the team that rely on responsible for the reliability of the site to try to scale the site and try to make sure that it can stay up while we double our traffic to handle the Yeah, I can just imagine that the, the demand and the load on your site must be insane over the last yeah, six months. Definitely. And initially there was definitely some secret site involved in by trying to scale up the site. And that also echoed back to the excitement and startup that certainly when you're trying to scale a startup that how that how that comes through and sometimes certainly there is time that you need to like worry about the scaling both in terms of like customers as well as your tech stack and seeing how it works both the worrying and the excitement aspect of it so so you may not be a founder yourself right now but you're 
staying true to that uh, vision and, and uh, mantra that you had as a founder carried over into this new um, role at Khan Academy. But uh, yeah. going back to your days as a founder, I uh, kind of want to wrap up the interview here, but what would you say was one app or one tool that you found instrumental to your founder journey and, and how you were able to transform yourself from a engineer into an entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, for us, um, it's actually a really interesting, um, not quite an app that we all use, but um, actually, especially during the textile period, um, we have a lot of like come to concept and mock-up. We actually all use Google Spreadsheet to do that. And I think that is something that is totally sometimes like, I used to hate Spreadsheet, but we actually have a joke running in the team that actually Spreadsheet can do everything. And right, it almost builds a minimal viable standard for us to do internal communication. communication. So let's say, for example, Campbell have certain ways to like kind of express certain priority that we almost straight away build a Spreadsheet and kind of have different pro and cons and trying to build a table to evaluate it. Or hey, if we've got a customer report that we're trying to articulate what the mock-up is like, we'll actually quickly use a spreadsheet to mock that up. And in a way, that using we are abusing the two to of the spreadsheet, but it also hold us honest to ourselves to how we trying to be minimal, minimally minimal in trying to express our ideas. And certainly for me, I feel that was um, with the reflection that I felt that is actually one of the two that we had spend quite a lot of time in, in like using it both as how it's supposed to be used as well as how it's not supposed to be used. So, <laughs> so, so you guys are creative in how you adopted and used uh, Google Sheets. And I think a lot of people take it for granted, but uh, the ability to collaborate together in real time, even if you're not side by side, but um, uh, seeing each other's comments and activities in there. But uh, you guys used it in non-conventional ways. It wasn't just about calculating numbers. It was about visualizing concepts, ideas, and workflows and uh, make it a collaborative workspace for cheap because, let's face it, Google uh, Sheets is, is free when you have uh, Google Suite, right? Uh, or you're paying for your Google account. But uh, especially back then, being lean and, and uh, uh, bootstrapped, you don't want to spend money on uh, expensive tools or SaaS services when you can use that that's already included in the tool that's, that you have, right? Yeah, totally. And it also allows us to have a common language even within designers or our analysts or um, business technology side to have this common whiteboard that we can all come in and draw together and bound about these squares that we actually kind of like communicate our ideas. And so that's there's obviously a lot more tools that are available and accessible today, but back in the day when you guys started in 2012, 2013, that's, the, that's a great hack that you guys put together there. But yeah. if you were to become come back to the entrepreneurial side, what is it that you would love to see or uh, do differently as an entrepreneur in today's world? What's your advice for other entrepreneurs, new and old, uh, about building a company today that you wish somebody had told you back in, in your day when you started? Yeah, I feel ultimately it comes down to, um, like you said, there's a lot of changing technologies. And even then, I think um, there is already a two, lot of tools that you use to build um, prototype and mock-up that, and connect with customers. Um, I wish that when I first started, I didn't just spend like half a year trying to build a product before showing it to our eventual customers. And well, 
eventual first customer that we tried to interview, and certainly that was uh, uh, one of the encouragement when I first joined Launch Academy that kind of got that, hey, that push outside the building and got to customers aspect that I really appreciate. And yeah, definitely, I think um, learning learning from customers doesn't mean having a product or it doesn't even mean having a product. Like having a mock-up, it could be just going to talk to customers and trying to like get some qualitative feedback from them. And that's something that I wish I'd done more. And that's certainly at that time, I didn't know how to do it. And with hindsight, I really encourage someone to just go and have a, like, have a coffee and really trying to listen and understand what the problem is as opposed to staying in your room and trying to build a solution. Yeah, that's definitely a challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs have, especially first-time entrepreneurs. You want to build, build, build. You don't want to share your ideas because you're afraid somebody's going to steal it and copy it. But hard reality is ideas are a dime a dozen. It's all about execution. You need to get out there and, and talk to people and gather data and information as much as you can that's going to shape and mold what you can actually build uh, in a sustainable fashion. Yeah. Um, Boris, really appreciate you taking the time today. It's been a great conversation. Uh, really dived into uh, the nuances of, of having a co-founder and working together that's a, a bit of a take different take than some of our other founder journey stories so really appreciate you diving into that this is where we want to give you a chance to have a call to action what is it that our audience can do for you how can um, you benefit from this experience as well yeah i think ultimately um i really learned so much from this the experience of being in Pathful and being in Launch Academy and being in Techstar, and that's something that I feel I'm still applying that every day, trying to be closer to my eventual customers, whether it's something, someone that's internal or external. So that's something that I really appreciate. And I would encourage any first-time founder, if they definitely don't stay in the room and join the community, especially with Launch Academy, you've got the program that allows, Launchpad program that allows you to go and join with a community that is and be part of the community that you can go and learn a lot and it's seeing a lot of successful entrepreneurs and have advice from them and that's something that I really encourage you to go and check out and ultimately I think also you'll be surprised even for myself first when I first joined Launch Academy I didn't know whether I can contribute to the community or not but ultimately I actually end up meeting a lot of other co-founders are able to have a lot of conversation that sometimes I didn't realize that I'm contributing. But yeah, just encourage you to be part of the community. Well, I really appreciate the shout-outs to launch. Didn't expect that. Um, yeah, definitely. we got a lot of online courses. We can help people all around the world with our um, programs. And, and basically, it's for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. It's the stuff that we learned building our companies and uh, watching you, people like you build your companies that we've been able to digitize and put into online format. So for anybody out there, selfish plug on our end, uh, link in bio, lots of links to our resources online. Uh, Boris, really appreciate you taking the time today and uh, look forward to seeing the big changes and, and the world impact that you're going to have um, working at Khan Academy and uh, hopefully as a future returnee entrepreneur in, in a new venture. Uh, Boris, thanks for your taking the time today. Stay in touch. Thank you, Ray. Really appreciate the time. Launch Ventures is for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you enjoyed today's episode of Founder Journey, please share this with your friends, family, and other entrepreneurs. If you're ready to start your own entrepreneurial journey and would like some guidance, please head to launchacademy.ca and check out our entrepreneurship course and other online resources like our Launchpad for virtual incubation and mentorship.